0: Hi, I'm your host Jeff Burton. At time of recording, I'm 67 years old and just this year I was diagnosed as autistic. This is my story. So we've gone through some of my early life um, and uh, how I was an undiagnosed autistic. Um, There are some things, though, that affected me. And I want to remind you that being autistic is not having a disorder. It's not a disorder. Um, But some things that affect you, probably as a result of trying to cope with your autistic characteristics in a world that's not designed for them, um, will be pretty impactful on you. And I'm going to tell you about mine. Bullies. You've already met my bullies briefly. I want to face them again and write about the effect they had on my mental health. And this is where disorders come in. Though they have long gone on to live their own lives, they affect me still. I'm 67 years old and I still have nightmares. To be fair, I also have nightmares about salad platters. I have no idea why. You will recall that I was a shy and sensitive little boy. I played superheroes in the days before superheroes were multi-million dollar enterprises. I loved Disney cartoons, which I watched on a black and white TV on Sunday nights. I loved Star Trek. In fact, I loved any science fiction movie in those old B-movie days. you remember... War of the Worlds, the original, and the day the earth stood still, and that other one where the sources eventually crashed into the Capitol building. <sighs> My dad taught me to love folk music in the early and mid-60s. I was a nerd. I was a nerd before nerd was even a word. And now I've gone gone all Dr. Zeus on you. Not only was I a nerd, but I was also an easily wounded nerd, unable to fight back. I was fun to pick on. I dissolved into tears easily, which is the gold standard for bullies. I was a sought-after collector's item that every bully had to have. Oh, how we laughed. Ha ha. My first obvious reaction to this constant bullying was fear. I'd be yelled at on the street, so the area around our home terrified me. In those pre-enlightened times, fireworks were readily available, including quite large sticks of explosives called bungers. Our letterbox would frequently be blown to bits by primitive bombs set by my bullies. (laughs) Oh, hell, we laughed. I would be physically intimidated at school. Going into change rooms and toilets after sport or swimming was like entering a circle of hell even Dante could not imagine. At one point, I was deliberately tripped up stone stairs and broke my arm. The thing about uh, bullying, I guess, is that my surface reaction was fear. I was afraid of everything. I was never—I never felt safe. Um, but subconsciously, there was an impotent rage that I did not recognise and would only play out. Some years later, in unreasonable behaviour, that I'm ashamed of. In uh, Right. At no time did I ever report any of this to my parents or friends. Why? Because this was the code. If you told anyone, it would only get worse. I have seen teachers turn a blind eye to overt bullying. Of course... As I've already explained, I have seen a teacher physically bully and verbally persecute 11-year-old students supposedly in his care. That was 50 years ago. I hope he is safely dead now. School, the streets around home, even the perimeters of my own suburban home were never safe for me. Bad things could and did happen there. And let's also remember that inside my home there was this unspoken tension between my mother and father. Uh, my mother was, was, was angry and bitter with my father who was having affairs. Uh, it, was, it was unspoken, but it must have been an undercurrent. This continued from the time I was 11 until I was 18 and went to university. Did people suddenly become more caring? Did bullies find enlightenment and join ashrams? Did we all just give peace a chance? Of course not. I simply disappeared off the face of the earth, absorbed into the huge population of the university, and I became invisible, unnoticed, alone. Keep quiet. Don't make a sound don't lift your head up, don't be seen. I tried that for a while. It was quiet, but it was the quiet of the grave. It was not life, but its absence. So I did what I always do. I had my two or three friends and clung to them as if they were life preservers, which they were, In time, this dwindled down to one friend with whom I remained friends until only recently when he told me my services were no longer required. I don't actually blame him. He had witnessed my one and only cataclysmic midlife autistic burnout crash and, like many people, was unable or unwilling to understand mental illness and neurodivergence. But in the interim... I lived a life, sort of. I had a career, sort of. I clumsily navigated relationships, sort of. Those bullying scars remain. I am frightened of men. I am one, but all the others scare me. I have anxiety. I constantly imagine the worst. And I wait hunched for the next hammer to fall. I have low self-worth. I have internalised all that bully talk and now it lives inside me and I hear it all at my weakest. In my bouts of depression, that voice sneers at me. No one could ever love you. You will always fail. You have always failed. You can't do anything right. You're stupid. Everyone thinks you're weird. You're a bad person, you're faulty, and on and on. Now I've told you about CPTSD. The symptoms of this disorder, and it is a disorder, can be alarmingly similar to those of PTSD. This is no competition of suffering, no weighing and measuring of distress. Simply put, it is simply this. When people are stressed, either intensely for short periods or, or over longer timescales, then the responses to these stresses may bring impairment to some degree. What we do to others matters. Cruelty or abuse live forever. Then again, so does kindness. I made my psychologist laugh. We laughed often. I think she was laughing with me, not at me. I feel it's a reasonable accomplishment. We were talking about famously funny epitaphs. And I told her mine would be, He did okay, considering. And I hope that that's on my tombstone. I'd like to talk to you now about the recognition of being human. For the longest time, I I think I, I didn't even think I was human, certainly not unconsciously. Being human is an important thing to realize and realize that other people are human too. I mean, it sounds silly. But you are a human being too, just like me. You have foibles. I keep mine in a box with my old guitar picks. You're allowed to make mistakes because life doesn't come with an instruction manual. Or if it does, it's been mistranslated from Arabic to Chinese and finally to English with illustrations incorrectly labelled. Putting a life together is like building IKEA furniture with pieces missing. You'll rage and you'll cry and you'll swear from time to time. And tiny important pieces will get lost on the pattern carpeting. How's that for a metaphor? But carry on, dear listener. You are in exactly the same boat as everybody else and it leaks. You cannot be judged by anybody else because we're all as dumb as each other. Don't even judge yourself whatever you are doing, whatever you have done, remember that it seemed like a good idea at the time. We need to examine our lives with the same compassion we would offer a child. We can always say, I did my best with what I knew and how I felt at the time. At the risk of being philosophical, It seems to me that the task of a lifetime is to expand our horizons so that we become more compassionate, wiser, and more courageous as time goes by. And then our actions grow as our characters do. Think of The Wizard of Oz, the movie. I do a lot. I suspect The Wizard of Oz has the answer to many of life's most difficult problems. Judy Garland's great too. Each of Dorothy's companions, unbeknownst to them, brings something to the table that helps Dorothy, who is kind of a totem of our inner child self, to complete her task. Each learns from the wizard, even if they don't realise it, that they already possess the qualities they desire, which bloom as they navigate through the action. For the Scarecrow, it is wisdom. For the Tin Man, compassion. For the Lion, courage. Together with Dorothy, they all grow into these qualities they already had. It is only then that Dorothy may return home, but not as the same person who left it. How terribly Buddhist. So we too, Follow the yellow brick road of life and grow into the qualities of maturity. How dare anyone take a snapshot of you at some point in your life and judge you as deficient or unworthy or, God forbid, toxic? How dare you don't do that to yourself? How I hate the word toxic. Imagine using a single word to try to sum up the extravagant richness of a human life and to dismiss it out of hand. We are all works in progress, unfinished until the day we die. We who have some form of diagnosable mental illness or neurodivergence at least know what our wounds are. Many people seem to walk around with the mistaken and unquestioned assumption that they are both infallible and saintly. Spoiler alert, they aren't. We are all light and shade. I'm just like you. Only more so. Seriously, I have found movies and literature to be constant sources of helpful inspiration for living this autistic life. Regrettably, too often culture uses the bogeyman of mental illness to give its villains uh, motivation, not meditation. They could probably use it. Shame on them. There are odd examples of characters and narratives that have something to teach us, some encouragement or wisdom to offer. You only need to look for it. I can only offer some examples from my own idiosyncratic list. You'll need to think about your own. The Wizard of Oz, mentioned already, is full of wit and surprising wisdom. The movie Harvey with James Stewart is a spectacular movie, where the main character is clearly insane, but is a much more decent human being than almost every other normal character. It's immensely quotable. I cannot watch it without being encouraged and touched. Stewart's character, Elwood P. Dowd, is someone I aspire to be. Similarly, the Marx Brothers movies are great medicine, more on this later, but Harpo, in particular, stands out for me as a character beyond rationality who nevertheless is charming, mischievous, and extraordinarily musically gifted. There's something almost angelic about Harpo, I want to be him, too. He doesn't care about what other people think. Sherlock Holmes is another great but flawed hero. He has the intense concentration and attention to detail that some of us know quite well. He's also ill-equipped for ordinary life. And he retreats into drug addiction to escape it. Given a case to test his intellectual powers, however, he explodes into manic energy. Sound familiar to anyone? There are more, many more, just waiting for you to recognise yourself and to offer you encouragement, wisdom and entertainment. Mm -hmm. next time we'll have some more observations about living this autistic life and how it seemed to me and possibly how in some ways it seems to you Uh, we might also have some poetry who knows we might even have a song i don't know but until then thank you for listening and i'll hear from you next time